you have a choice of your actions and inactions. And sometimes it takes for people to become very aware of their personality to realize they have that choice. But if you start watching your natural behaviors, how you react to certain things that people say or do, you realize that you don't have to be a slave to those reactions, that you actually have a choice of how you respond to a situation. Helping people build ambitious and satisfying careers, businesses, and lives. This is the Influence Ecology Podcast. Now, here is your host, John Patterson. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are in the world. I'm your host, John Patterson, the co-founder and CEO of Influence Ecology, the leading business education in transactional competence. We're back for the 2017 season of the Influence Ecology Podcast, And I'd like to thank our guests and listeners for making us a success in 44 countries and counting. Broadcasting from Ojai, California, this podcast features case studies, stories, and lessons from business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs who found real solutions, real results, and real satisfaction, not only with work, career, and money, but in every area of life. You'll hear how these ambitious professionals found that those who transact powerfully thrive. Today's feature is an interview with siblings Laura and David Senor Garcia. Located in Spain, they hold senior roles with Equilibria, the personality diversity experts chosen to coordinate 10,000 volunteers for the 2017 Super Bowl. Their company works worldwide to help people embrace and leverage diversity to elevate personal, professional, and organizational performance. You'll hear how studying transactional competence has improved their company's focus and helped bring cooperation to a diverse world. In today's Guru Talk, you'll hear Kirkland Tibbles and myself address how a transactional approach helps people understand the fundamentals of coordinated action. Here's the interview. Take a second and introduce yourself and give the world a sense of who you are and what you do. My name is Laura Senior Garcia. I am from Spain. I am the Global Operations Manager with Equilibria. That means that I am involved with what we do around the world with our services in different areas. I have a two-year-old daughter and I am a keen member of the influence ecology community. Great, thanks. David? My name is David Senior Garcia. I'm the Advanced Error Reduction Organization's Product Manager for Equilibria. I, too, am a keen uh, member of Influence Ecology and very much looking forward to this. That's great. Now, you guys have the unique role of siblings and you work in the same company. Can you take a minute and tell us a little bit about your father? I know your father and, and what he's accomplished and his vision for this company, and then how you guys became a part of Equilibria and your current role in the company in relationship to your father and everyone else. So if you could tell us a little bit about that. It's an interesting dynamic with David and I, as you said, John, because he, he is uh, my brother. Uh, we also work together very closely on a daily basis. So officially, I am his supervisor, so that adds another piece of the dynamic. So let's start with uh, Lewis, uh, as you mentioned. So Lewis is uh, our father. 
He uh, co-founded Equilibria in 2004, uh, along with three other members, one of them, who is actually studying with Influence Ecology, uh, Paul Grant. And Lewis, for a very long time, worked with a large drilling contractor as the health, safety, and environment manager. And his whole vision or mission, you could say, in life at the time was to prevent people from getting killed or hurt uh, in his previous role. He found something that he thought was revolutionary to the industry he was working in. And the company he was with at the time just weren't at the point in their evolution where they could jump on to let's make this work because it wasn't their focus at the time. So he decided along with the others to to separate from that company and with this newfound knowledge or revelation form their own company. And that's how they started Equilibria uh, in 2004. From that, I got involved about a year after Equilibria started and again, it's been a, a very interesting journey for me because I have been involved almost from the beginning. Lewis and I used to have a not a very good relationship as a, as a father and daughter. And I have to say that I attribute currently the health of our relationship and the way we are able to relate to each other to the fact that we got the opportunity to work together. It, it just works for us. The whole working together and understanding each other's personality through our work together uh, made a tremendous difference. So at one point we didn't used to talk to each other when I was a, a teenager and he was very work driven. Yeah. And now we, I think we have a, a very, very close relationship. The other thing that's worth mentioning as well, that was a major point for Lewis to co-found Equilibria was he did as would be described in the current today, he did burn himself out at one point. And I guess, again, people around also helped for that to happen, but he had certainly had a part to play in it. And I think that moment of burnout, what really um, made him reflect that's not the life he wanted to be living in. That's why he also redirected his focus towards equilibrium. And just to take a second on him so that we can get to know Lewis just a little bit. We've met at one of our conferences. He seems like a, a very, very lovely man in a variety of ways. From my reading about him, my experience of him, he seems to be uh, authentically committed to people and diversity issues and that people can live and work in ways that satisfy themselves. Is there anything else that we should know about him and his vision? Well... In influence ecology terms, he is a performer, for sure. So the glass is always half full, <laughs> no doubt, absolutely always half full. But it's very invigorating for the people who work with him, for him to have this perspective, because he knows that we do something that makes a huge difference. And his determination and the glass half full sort of perspective makes everybody around him want to make it happen. He's always encouraging the people around him towards a very clear vision. Very good. And David, when did you come into the company and, and what kind of relationship do you have with Lewis? It's always been a bit different for me because Laura actually was a bit of the, let's say, if there's a good and a bad, the bad one at home when we were growing up. And we always had a bit of a distant relationship. So I just did my own thing for a while and actually went to university in the UK and did a business degree. And at that point, I asked for a placement at Equilibria. And I have to say, one of the, my main factors to ask was because our 
our headquarter office is in Bangkok and I really wanted to visit. So I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And it actually worked out really well. Did a couple of two months placements as, as I was doing my business degree in the UK. And after that, I, I decided to, to continue my education a bit more and did a, an MBA. And after the, the MBA, it's really where I got approached from Equilibria and they told me that I could be a valuable part of the team. And I was then introduced into the company. And as Laura mentioned, that's really a point in my life where it really kind of got me involved again in the family through the company, which is really a great thing. Uh, as I, I was just kind of a bit distant and really kind of focused on my own on my own kind of paradigm. And since really joining the organization, it was a really great chance to getting to know Laura in a new light to a point where we we really kind of uh, work together on a daily basis. And actually, as, as she mentioned, she is my supervisor and she's a really good one too, is able to take into account my personality style and how to make my performance be best. And with Lewis, it's always been a very good relationship that we've had. We're very different. And the more and more that we know each other and the more and more we actually practice what we do in terms of personalities, the more we can embrace each other. Always had a good relationship with him, but it, we're very different people. I look at the world probably from more of that realistic side. Mm -hmm. So his optimism every now and then has always been a bit of a challenge to the way I see things. And I think one of the opportunities that we, we have here today for people who are listening is it's often said, at least in the United States, I don't know how it is in Spain or in Europe, there's often a warning about working with family. Be careful about working with family or, or perhaps even here people would recommend you not work with family. But your message from both of you is quite the opposite and especially that working in a business has given you, uh, your family, a particular focus, a purpose, a direction a reason to come together, a reason to work together, and that you teach about personality, and we do too at Influence Ecology, it sounds like that working together has been a primary driver in coming to understand one another in all kinds of new ways. I would really agree with that and I'd just say that I actually think we're performing better as a family since we all got involved in the same organization, which fully agree that is really uncommon. I've had some personal friends and very close People to my life that through working family businesses, quite successful too, have actually pulled their families apart. And it just really has not been the case with us. I think the line of business we're in with understanding the diversity of people and embracing others to a large degree helps. But I've also seen it go wrong. So I think you captured it very well, John. I think it is useful to note that since both of us are in the personality business. We're actually in a transactional competence business and personality is a component of what we teach. But certainly you could say that both of our organizations are at work in helping people coexist. And you could say that fundamental to that is helping people understand themselves and others, making things a little bit better for everyone. Any final comments on that? I do want to mention something about the, the family dynamic. And as you say, John, I think it's an international thing. Definitely not only in the U.S., here in Spain, you hear all kinds of horror stories about people working with families and etc. I think one of the, the key things that we have found is that you can't treat each other like a brother or sister or like a father and daughter when it comes to business. You have to be very objective you have to be committed to each other's success, but you would want that with anybody who you're working with, not just family. And you have to be very comfortable and open to giving feedback so that you're always making each other better. So 
I think we've always had a very uh, open line of communication and from very early on in the working relationship, and we do this with everybody at the company, we talk about mutual expectations, setting each other up for success. So David and I have a, com- have a conversation around what do you expect from me as a leader so that I can know how to best lead him and what suits him better and vice versa. I will then have a conversation with him about what I expect from him as a team member and also a leader in the company. Now, we also have those conversations in terms of father, daughter, brother, sister, but the expectations are not the same, which again, helps to make things work when you have clear expectations from each other and you can identify what role you're playing at what time. That's really great. And let's just take that to where you guys are in your story. So if we talk about personality, talk about diversity, talk about coexistence and what comes from knowing others well, it seems like that that's produced some major accomplishments for you guys. You have some pretty big things happening right now, yeah? Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. It's a fun time to be doing what we're doing in Equilibria in the sense because we have for a very long time been involved with oil and gas. And right now the energy market or the oil and gas market is in a very slow time due to uh, low oil prices, etc. So it, it makes that market very, very challenging to operate in. Through the work that we have done with one of our long-term clients, we got exposed to the Houston Super Bowl host committee. And for us, David and I being Spanish, Louis being from the UK, as you can imagine, we don't know a lot about American football, but we, we certainly know about working with people and how to help teams to perform better through, through taking this personality uh, dynamic into account. So we got exposed to the Houston Super Bowl host committee. We're working with the people from the city of Houston who work with the NFL to organize everything that needs to happen in Houston for the Super Bowl in February of 2017 to be the best Super Bowl to ever take place. Those are the people who we're working with right now, as well as the 10,000 volunteers from the city of Houston to help with all the surrounding things for the event. And so you're assisting the Super Bowl committee in having 10,000 volunteers coexist effectively. (laughs) Basically, yes. Yep. That's fantastic, by the way. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment to be asked to do so. And I can only imagine the wonderful chaos that you get to put into order of some kind. Anything you'd like to say about that? Well, first of all, I definitely think the first time that the volunteers got exposed to the e-colors, which was at the Toyota Center at where the Houston Rockets play in Houston, is probably the biggest group that has ever had kind of exposure to the e-colors or our personality tool in one go, you could say. I mean, it was over 8,000 people there. So it was a very major event for us. And there were days where we had over a thousand people taking the PDI online in one day. So it was very, very major. And also it's created all kinds of media opportunities. Just yesterday, Lewis, who we mentioned before, was on the Great Day Houston show with Deborah Duncan. So we've been on several TV shows over the past couple of months. It's really been quite exciting. That's wonderful. Thanks, David. Anything else you want to add about that endeavor? 
Not about that particular one, but I will say that also working with influence ecology has really helped us understand the value of strong partnerships. And we have a specific partner in human performance, another organization that we've closely partnered with. And just the, the whole understanding of how to transact with others in powerful long-term transactions has really helped guide that partnership. And thanks to that, we've also been able to reach uh, different countries that we haven't been in before, like Saudi Arabia and different sort of industries like nuclear, steel manufacturing and several others. So it's it's really, again, applying the lessons that we continue to learn with with your programs have really helped us in several kind of fronts of the organization. Laura, is there anything else about your accomplishments or as a family? As a company, the clarity of the fact that we're always transacting and not being naive to, okay, this person really likes us, so they're going to give us repeated business kind of thing. That I think right now we are much more aware, and I consider that an accomplishment of our transactional nature as a company and the fact that we have to be very aware of where we're at in the transaction cycle and with whom we're transacting with. That's good. Well, I think that can take us into one of the primary lessons I know that Equilibria has had in their journey here. When you met with us, your company was doing what? And now what's your focus? When we first got exposed to influence ecology, we were a coaching slash performance coaching slash leadership coaching company who did this thing called the colors and I know we had trouble speaking about it we had trouble being very clear about it I think sometimes we got frustrated because some people identified more with one thing than the other and through the process of being involved with influence ecology we know that we are personality diversity experts and that we apply that expertise to a number of areas to help solve our clients breakdowns in those areas And I think that transition would not have happened without our involvement with you. If you'd like to know more about influence ecology and our approach, check out our webinar, Ambitious Living, The Eight Defining Principles. The webinar is available globally. We'll teach you the core principles practiced by the most successful and effective men and women we know. This webinar is for those who aspire to an influential life that provides measurable satisfaction for themselves, their family, and their organizations. This webinar is specifically designed for those who don't want to sacrifice a well-balanced life for superior financial rewards. They want it all. To find out more, you can find the link in the show notes for this podcast at influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. That's influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. Or in the U.S. or Canada, you can text the word AMBITION to 805 262-9008, and we'll send the registration link right to your mobile phone. Again, text the word AMBITION to 805-262-9008. Also in our show notes, you'll find all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. I love that you said coaching slash this slash that slash all these things. And and that's a common thing for people when they own a small business moving towards a large business. 
in terms of your focus, many people often struggle with that and being a lot of different things to a lot of different people and wearing a lot of different hats. And now that you've gotten yourselves clear about what it is you offer, what you do, and to whom, what impact has that had on the rest of things and other people and how they see what you do? I think we're starting to get the benefits of that. It has to be acknowledged that transition isn't always easy. But I think it gives us peace of mind that that's really what we're focused on. And it's a long-term play. That performance coaching, leadership coaching, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as Laura said, did get us to a very good point. But at the same time, we we then struggled a bit. So I think now we're setting ourselves up for the long-term future. So we're a lot more satisfied with that. Right, Laura? The only thing I would like to add to that is through the process of focusing As David said, it's not easy. However, you also learn who's going to be around for the long term because that's what they're really about. So we've had some, you know, great people uh, leave uh, Equilibria because their passion was not in personality diversity. It was more on performance coaching. Mm -hmm. But again, in a very great kind of dignified way, great. We know we did business and there's an open door to, to do business again in the future. And the reason I mentioned that is it just... Having people on board who are passionate about specifically where the company is going and what you do, I think is key if you're going to be around for a while. Absolutely. Well, I think one thing to acknowledge, and perhaps I'll ask you about this, is you mentioned that you're a company primarily focused on a customer in the oil and gas industry, and that since that industry is in a downturn, at the moment at least, it sounds like you found a way to not just survive, but perhaps thrive or excel with this new focus. Anything you care to say about that? We've always been about more than just the the energy sector. We we love working with our clients in the energy sector because it's where we started. We are very passionate about helping them with some of the issues that they face around high risk environments, etc. But however, we also know we can make a big difference in other areas that are not exclusive to high-risk industries, such as inclusion and diversity. So now we are able to have conversations with clients who do not operate in a high-risk environment, for example, banking and other areas where what we're talking about is how to leverage inclusion and diversity through understanding that diversity means a lot more than just the color of your skin or anything like that. All the many dimensions that exist from a diversity perspective, but looking at how do you actually leverage personality diversity and ensure you include different people in the team so you can have more innovation, you can have people basically happier because they can speak up, they feel more included, etc. So those are conversations that you know, if we think back several years as a company, we were much more safety focused, whereas now we know that our expertise carries through into these different areas that are important. And from a long-term perspective, then, do you feel like your company has a bit more security in a variety of markets rather than this one or that one that, that may or may not survive well in different sort of economic downturns or moves in the marketplace? Definitely, definitely. And, and keeping our focus too, which really feels good. Really being able to keep your focus on what you're focused on, but actually reaching a variety of industries. It's just a really good safeguard. 
Well, one of the notes that you sent me says, at Equilibria, we do not want the next generation to take over a company. We want the next generation to be part of shaping its direction. Can you tell me about that? What does that mean? We are all about intentionality and intentional legacy. Rather than, let's just say, for example, the way we work with Lewis, he is very, very clear about why he's doing what he's doing, how he's going about it. The same with Paul, very transparent in the way that they manage the business as co-CEOs, allowing us to be a part of decision-making, making us feel a part of the legacy that they're building. So although authority is clear and you know with whom the authority rests, you are included in decisions that affect the long-term vision of the company because hopefully you will be a part of that long-term. I think the key thing is the intentional legacy. That's where that comment came from. Mm. David, anything to add? Yeah, that and the fact that we're we're both board members and have an active role in, in shaping the future of the company as opposed to waiting our turn per se. I think that's uh, something that's always been like that ever since we came in. We've been really helped to get to a position where, and and only because we've been deserving it, of course, not because of anything else, but we're really now at a position that we are part of the future of the company and our our voices are very much heard in how we move forward. Mm, Really great. Well, are there things that you would want uh, people listening to know about yourselves or your company? So I think the key thing is where we're at now in our journey for a long time, we've been all about helping people in team environments perform better through understanding their personality and the personalities of the people in their team, be it around, like I said, improved safety results or improved performance results, etc. Where we're going as a company now, especially through this opportunity with exposure to thousands of volunteers and a much wider uh, market, is we're also finding ways to help people at the individual level who don't particularly have to be a part of a corporation or a large organization, but who want to learn about what we do and learn about how to benefit from understanding their personality and the personality of those around them. But they just want to do it as an individual and not as part of an organization. So we're at work uh, a lot on that right now. And we are building our offering to be able to really deliver to that individual level as well. You and I are all talking about something that's very familiar to us, personality and, and how that impacts the way in which people work together, the way that they coexist, the way that it smooths the gears <laughs> in an enterprise, the way that it can allow people a sort of understanding that produces a level of understanding that's quite uncommon. If you were going to tell people what they might do to begin to move towards that kind of understanding, let's just say they never take your personality test or they never involve themselves with you guys or, or with influence ecology, what would you recommend that people begin to do to move more respectfully in their workplaces regarding differing personalities or perhaps regarding diversity? 
So I'll, I'll take a, a shot at answering that, John. I, I think the biggest thing that people realize after not just our PDI or indicator or uh, other tests in the marketplace, again, we, we actually call ours a, an indicator. I think the biggest thing is that you have a choice of your actions and inactions. And sometimes it takes for people to become very aware of their personality to realize they have that choice. But if you start watching your natural behaviors, how you react to certain things that people say or do, and you realize that you don't have to be a slave to those reactions, that you actually have a choice of how you respond to a situation by really kind of filtering, you could say, or thinking about, is that what I really want to say? Is that what I really want to do? Or what do I need to do to to get out of my comfort zone or out of my natural reactive tendency to make this situation work? And also to just remember that the people you interact with, a lot of times we have this thing in the back of our mind that they are intentionally out there to mess with us or they have their own agenda and for the most part, what I've learned through being involved with personalities for many years is it's just their natural style of going about things is different to yours. Usually, they don't have a wrongful intent to want to mess you up. It's just that they see the world differently. I would like to add just that without knowing about these specific tendencies or being very self-aware of the things, I would just say two things. First being, your natural tendencies are not always going to get you to where you want to get so be very deliberate about copying an attitude, be very deliberate about your behavior in certain situations. And only because it doesn't feel natural at that point in time, doesn't mean it's any worse. It's just that you may actually be doing the right thing. And when you're interacting with others from a very basic perspective, I always remember this, uh, the, they once told me, people like people like themselves. So if you're wanting to move into their personality space, start noticing things like their body language, their tone of voice, the speed at which they talk. There's all these little nuances that you can really get aligned to and sort of replicate in, to the best of your ability that will help you be a lot more effective in, in actually relating with them or coexisting with them. It's really good. Well, one of the things I'm thinking about, too, that your company and our company have in common is from a diversity perspective, we work with all kinds of people in all kinds of cultures, many different cultures, many different nationalities, many different languages, many different viewpoints, many different religions, many different philosophies. So there's a diversity in our experience of people. There are people that I know that grow up not knowing other cultures, countries, languages, religions, philosophies, views, and the like, and oftentimes think that their, their view from their back porch is the way life is. And so as diversity experts in a world where there are people like that, and I would want to give room to people like that as much as I would want to give room to lots of different diverse views, what's your view on that and your own experience? As you said, John, we have had the, I would say, luck of growing up in a very diverse environment. David and I actually, even from our education standpoint, we both went to an international school. Our whole life has basically been immersed in diversity, you could say, and all the different dimensions of diversity. 
I think one of the things that I read recently has helped to summarize the way I approach uh, working with people from all over the world, different cultures, etc. And it's one of the books that Influence Ecology recommends in their MAP uh, program, which is Your Brain at Work. And it talks around how each of our brains is wired to think that we're right. (laughs) So when I see somebody that has a very opposing view to the way I may see the world, I keep bringing myself back to that. That is their reality. And to them, they're right. So what can I do if we're going to work together to use my what we call personal intervention or pause and play button to make that working relationship work. So if I happen to be more aware about diversity factors than the other person, what can I do to smooth things? Because it's going to benefit us both rather than try and get adversarial or I need to win my opinion. So I think definitely if you keep that in mind that Again, the person probably thinks they're right. That's why they are coming from that perspective. It helps the working relationship. Well, I think that's really great. And my hat is off to you for, I'll say, taking the high road in that situation where when you recognize that you're the person with the diversity expertise, you put yourself in the the role of leadership or perhaps you're going to be the bigger person and include rather than try to shift their view. You don't have to change people's views. You can work together and have very different perspectives. You can be friends and have very different perspective if you can find some common ground to stand on. All right, good. Anything else either of you'd like to say? One more thing that we haven't touched on yeah. is I, I just want to talk from my own experience, and this is just me as an individual, not, not just with um, Equilibria, One of the things that I have gotten from working with Influence Ecology as somebody in an executive position with a very young daughter, I started with the Fundamentals of Transaction program when my daughter was three months old. So, you know, (laughs) there was a lot going on in, in my life at the time. And the level of commitment and study seemed really high at the time. I know now that it was absolutely worth the the investment of uh, time, effort, resources because of what it's done for my ability to take care of my conditions of life. And again, I just wanted to mention that as an individual that you can be a working mom and have a very demanding job in terms of responsibilities. But if you set yourself upright and you're clear about where you stand in your aims, in your conditions of life and in your scheduling as well, you can do very well with this. Great, Laura. Thank you very much. That's wonderful. David, anything for you? Just closing out, as Laura said, from that individual level, that it's really the environment that is set in influence ecology to really become, or not only become, but maybe for some that are already there, live like an ambitious adult and make the most out of it is really phenomenal. And there's a lot of learning to be had in many areas, not only in professional life, but also the kind of the mirror you help put up to people and really kind of realize the importance of health and the importance of other conditions of life that may have not even been in in the radar for, for people. So it's just really, really helpful life development programs that you're running. It's great. Well, to both of you, thank you very, very much for taking the time out of your, I know, very busy schedules to speak with us and help and offer some of the lessons that you've learned to other people. 
it's just a privilege to know the both of you and I look forward to uh, our continued work together. Thank you very, very much for the opportunity. We really enjoyed it. Yep, appreciate it. In today's Guru Talk, you'll hear Kirkland Tibbles and I address how a transactional approach helps people understand the fundamentals of coordinated action and how self-action and interaction can work, but only at a cost to reciprocal co-constitutive transactions. Here's the talk. Activity in a world of others requires that we engage competently with others. I know many people that engage with others, not too many people do it competently. You could say that our ability or inability to satisfy our conditions of life is correlate to our ability or inability to coordinate action. What I'm saying there is is that if you can't coordinate action with others competently, you're probably not satisfying your conditions of life. The transactional approach that we'll talk about here challenges the popular notion of the independent or cause and effect approach to coordination. And we're going to point to these because if you're going to develop your transactional competence, you might want to notice if you're self-actional or interactional. We're proposing a transactional approach and simply said the self-actional or self-acting approach to coordinating action is quite individual and independent. The interactional approach, the interacting approach, is much a cause and effect approach And the transactional approach is responsible for that you, as an individual, are part of a whole. You are co-constitutive. You arise together in a symbiotic and respectful relationship, a reciprocal relationship with the environment and the others in which you exist. So if I want to coordinate action with others, and we're saying transacting might be the better approach, what does it look like to self-act? Well, self-acting is when I try to get stuff to happen. I'm going to use some pretty dirt in the street language. When I try to get stuff to happen by being some sort of overlord of it all, that I can somehow manifest, cause, bring into being myself or others or things to act as I imagine or that I intend that they act. Interacting is when I attempt to force other things as if there's some cause and effect, some me like a billiard table ball banging up against another ball to get it to go in the direction that I want when you attempt to force yourself or others or things to act as you deem them to be ideal. We hear often people saying something like, why don't people just do what they know to do? Or everybody knows they should just show up on time. Or what the heck is wrong with these people? Why can't they? And so forth. Attempting to force ourselves and others to act in some ideal way. And I'm going to pause there for a moment, Kirkland. Anything you want to add to 
these pieces. The thing I'll add is that an interaction is more of a collision between two objects that are headed in the same direction looking to impact and to direct to force and control. And that's the typical behavior that you see for the most part when people are moving with an aim or a goal out there in the current marketplace and they don't recognize that they're dealing with an environment that is indifferent to their wants and needs and concerns. So they interact harder and work harder <laughs> and attempt to force and they are self-acting in their belief and in their attempts, in their way of operating. They are highly motivated, they believe, and they are doing it in a highly interacting way. And that's, a, that's the typical adult behavior that you see day in and day out, most of the time, in the folks that you're attempting to transact with. It's beautifully said. In fact, it's worth noting that transacting is a study where I've told many people something like, you know, when you were a little kid and you wanted some candy from your mom at the store and you tried to get your way. Well, you may have tried to force the outcome. You may have tried to bang up against something. You may have tried tantrums. You may have tried to somehow think you were above the situation, above the law even, pocketed that little candy. I know many people who pocketed candy when they were little kids. <laughs> but some of those kinds of behaviors, some of that kind of thinking still exists today. And it might be useful to consider what are the offers? What are the invitations? What are the situations that I must navigate and transact effectively and competently with in order to have other people comply. Coordination of action breaks down, doesn't work, it stops, it ceases to function when rather than a transactional approach, our approach is self-actional or interactional. The coordination of action functions when we transact in a co-constitutive world of ourselves, others, and things relevant to personality and environment. In other words, relevant to who I'm transacting with and relevant to in what environment am I transacting. In our next episode, we feature an interview with Dr. Kush Cooper. I've asked myself, why transactionalism? Or what makes transactionalism important now? What I could see when I started to inquire into that question was, look, we've been transacting since we were born as a species. Life wasn't that complex. So we got away with bad transacting in many ways. But the more and more complex life gets, the more important transactionalism becomes. And so I really also think that it's a philosophy whose time is now. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share it with others. You can share it from our website at influenceecology.com. You can subscribe on iTunes or any place you get your podcasts. If you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment to go to iTunes and let us know what you think. Thank you for another great episode of the Influence Ecology Podcast. I'm your host, John Patterson. I'd like to thank our guest for a great interview. In our show notes, you'll find links to connect with them and all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. 
This podcast is made possible by the brilliant work of the Influence Ecology staff, mentors, and members around the world. We're grateful for co-founder Kirkland Tibbles and his 30-plus years of specialized study and practice that make all this possible. Episode producer, editor, and music supervisor Jason Kelly. Podcast copy and show notes, editing, and links by Carol Gregory.